Hey guys, welcome to the Next Level Agents Podcast. I am your host, Kevin Kaufman, and along with my business partner and co-host, Fred Weaver, we bring to you our podcast all about getting to the next level. Sometimes we talk to real estate agents, sometimes brokers, sometimes people just in and around our space, and sometimes just entrepreneurs in general. But our point here is to talk to the brightest and the best and to pull gold nuggets out of them and bring them to you so that way you can take little actionable pieces of advice, sometimes big actionable pieces of advice and make your business even better and help you get to the next level. Do me a favor, if you haven't already, go over to ratethispodcast.com, ratethispodcast.com forward slash NLA, stands for Next Level Agents, and please leave us a five-star review if you have not already. All right, without further ado, welcome to today's episode. All right, guys, we're back on the Next Level Agents podcast, and I'm excited for today's show. I, I say that a lot, but I'm like, I'm genuinely excited for this uh, to introduce you to my new friend, Shauna Rubble. Uh, did I say that correctly? You did not. It's Rubble. I, I just, I here's the deal. We talked about this beforehand, and we then did. I psyched myself out. Damn it. I'm one of the 95%. This is terrible. That's uh, all right. That's all right. It happens. It happens. All right. So Shauna is my friend and uh, tell everyone where you're located. Where, where's your business operate out of? Like where are you? So, yeah. So I'm out of Billings, Montana. Billings, Montana. So you run a real estate team there, right? We do. We have a brokerage here and a real estate team and then a couple of real estate schools. A couple of real estate. So you guys are going to notice a theme here. She's like very nonchalantly. We have a team and a brokerage and a couple of real estate schools uh, and this is why we're doing this podcast today is because you and I had the chance to, to talk a few times recently, uh, and then most recently on the phone for, for a while and just kind of get to know each other better. And I was like totally blown away by your story. Uh, and I love it. So I want to start with like the setup though. So okay. you said a little bit, but like, tell me more about your current business. Tell me about this, about this little brokerage and this little team and these real estate schools. Like, give me a little more detail on that. And then I'm going to, I want to hop around a little bit. Okay. No, that sounds great. So yeah, we have a small team here in Montana. We started our team um, probably about four or five years ago. And the last two years, we've been blessed to be the number one team in the entire state of Montana in both units and volume. Wow. <laughs> what is there? What else would you like to know about it? Well, okay. So you said something like you've been there for what, four years now? Is that what you said? Four, four or five years. So actually I came to Montana about 10 years ago and I've been in real estate though since I was 23. I opened my first real estate franchise when I was 25 and I thought I wanted to semi-retire um, when I was about 33 because it didn't matter. Like when I would pull out my driveway, it did not matter if I went left or right I would always go past one of my offices. And at that time, there were brokerages. And I would just kind of get poured in, pulled into it. And um, a funny, it's a kind of a sad story, but it was probably what shaped my career in real estate and how I ran my offices and team and kind of worked the balance. So one day, it was a Sunday, my daughter, she was probably about two years old, two or three years old. And she came and I was laying on the couch. I was exhausted. And she was like, let's play house. Me, mommy, you daughter. And I said, okay. I was like, so I was like, mommy, I'm sick today. Will you just hold me? Cause I was wanting to take a nap. 
And my daughter looked at me. She had this little briefcase and it was like my pocketbook. She was using it as her little briefcase. And she said, mommy will hold you as soon as she gets back. I have a very important meeting to run to. And you talking about life smacking you in the face. Um, I think I cried. Um, I still want to cry like when I tell it. But from that day, I said, no, like I came into this business to give my life, my children a life of what, or be able to give my kids what they needed in life, not what they wanted, but what they needed. And I lost the vision of that when I was chasing at that time, I was chasing rank, right? Like I want to be the top and I want to be um, at that time, like my first year in real estate with our franchise I was with. My first year, I was ranked 35th in the nation for the most listings. And I was chasing that and I was losing why I actually got into the business. And from that day, after I cried for literally like a week, I cried. I made some promises to myself and my kids. But those promises were um, that my kids were going to come first and I was going to remember why I got into the business. And so it, what's crazy about it, though, Kevin, is I made a rule. I was going to pick my kids up from school. Um, if I couldn't, that was fine. But one thing I was not going to negotiate on was being present at their sporting events. And it's crazy, like how much real estate you can get done when you're sitting in your car, when your daughter's in there at dance or when they're in the pool practicing because they love swimming. But I was there. I took them. I got to hear their stories about it. And I just kind of learned how to work when they were doing something. But I wanted to be present. And um, so, yeah, that's kind of that was I've had a couple of smack in the faces um, along the way, but can't remember where I was going with the story. But, yeah, that's kind of. Um, oh, yeah, I know what I was going to say. That is that change actually shifted my entire business, because what people don't realize is after I made that decision to be there, I refused to work on Sundays. That was a day for my kids. And what happened was my business actually grew. And what happened was when I would show up at the office, instead of standing around the water cooler talking about everybody's weekend and what they had going on, I was super focused. I came in, how to make my calls, how to do my follow-up, how to get everything done. Because I knew at 2.35, it was a hard stop for me. That was a non-negotiable in my life. Because I was at that time, I lived in Southwest Virginia. So for me to get to my kid's school was a 45 minute drive. So I needed to leave, be able to get to school, pick them up, get them to their practices. Also, after that day, um, when, you know, obviously when she's two and three, she's not in school. Same rules applied Sunday. I did not um, do real estate. But before my kids went to school, I would make sure that I was home in the evenings and I would have dinner. I would play with them. I would put them to bed and then I would actually go back to the office because I did not have my own computer and I would have to use the office computer. And so I'd go back and I would run my data sheets, work my leads, make my list what I needed to do the next day. And I would literally like be at the office until one, two o'clock in the morning go home, wake up, get my kids, you know, situated, would roll into the office about 10 o'clock, work until about five and then go home, do dinner and then come back at nighttime and work. You just reminded me of 
interview I did earlier this year. Uh, it's probably the second or third time. I Maybe the third time I had uh, my friend Nick McLean, who you might know. I just did a podcast with him. So Nick uh, told the story about he's really like all in on his brokerage and he was literally taking the bus, like because mm-hmm. he was all in financially, mentally, every and every aspect. And like uh, he was making a point. I was like, dude, like I would have bet on you because you took the bus to work. Mm-hmm. Like, because you, and then you worked while you were on the bus, like the mentality of that. So like the mentality of what you just shared of like, I'm going to do what I got to do. Like I'm clear on my priorities to my kids first business second, but then I'm going back to like, do the business that I like need to get done now that I didn't do because I made something else a higher priority earlier in the day. Like it's something where it's like, if I could go back in time and bet on somebody and I saw you doing that, like I'd place a bet on you because yeah. that's like, that's the mindset of someone that's going to make it. So I want to I want to go back to your your couple years in the business. You opened your first franchise. Did you just stop at one, or or did you did you acquire more? So I acquired more franchises. Um, by the time I was thirty three, I that time I owned four franchises, and then I was the principal broker of two other franchises, or not franchises, but independent offices. So during that time is around two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight. And um, what happened is there a lot of my, actually my competitors, they were actually my friends as well. They did not manage their funds correctly and they were going to need to close their doors. And to me, I felt like that's a lot of kids that's not going to have food on their table. And so I took money I had saved, invested into their companies, became their principal broker um, after a while, and I just went in and restructured how their team needed to run or not team, how their brokerage needed to run. And then I call that mailbox money. So I'd go to the mailbox once a month and I would get 10% of their gross GCI each month. So I want to go back a, a step for a second. So prior to you like a quiet, so you're obviously, you're having success, you know, you, you get in, you have success in sales effectively right away. Uh, and then you you buy a franchise, you have some success there. And it sounds like, and maybe not, but it sounds like you maybe were having more success than your peers. What, like, what do you think you did differently? What were the keys to like you growing that franchise and maybe that the others weren't doing? Like, what are those couple of things that you were doing better? So I would think looking back, there was probably four things that I did that was different. Um, one is why I got into real estate. And um, so my son, I wanted to be a teacher more than anything. And I still yet to this day in my mind, I'm going to go back to school and be a kindergarten teacher. Like I want that. That's like my lifelong dream. But I, one morning I rolled over and my 18 month old son, um, he was blue. He is grasping for air. And I grab him rush him to the hospital. And I don't know if you ever had your baby not being able to breathe or turning blue. It's a scary moment. And I get to the hospital and um, they take him and they're, I mean, it just was crazy. It was chaotic. And I remember when I was leaving, they gave me a prescription and I'm a young mom. So like, I didn't know much um, of what was going on. I did not know about insurance, things like that. But my son needed a nebulizer because he was too young for an inhaler. And I said, yeah, but like I live 45 minutes from the hospital. How do I get him here? Like, I, 
a nebulizer you got to have a wall plug-in for. And they said, well, there's a car nebulizer, but your insurance doesn't cover it. And I, at that time, was a pre-K teacher. And I was like, okay, well, how much is that? And it was like $785. And I did not have that. And I made a decision that day. My kids will not go through life without what they need. Now, what they want, again, different story. But being a mom, knowing that could be life or death for $785, man, I had to show up. I had no choice. And then so um, real estate was going to be something easy and for me to get into. So that started my career. So one, I had a reason, right? Like I had a why, I had my focus. Also, um, another thing that I did differently was I was willing to, once I opened my brokerage, I remember the franchise I was with at the time, they said, we want you to go out and we want you to get these type of listings. And we have this group of agents that if you have any questions, you call them, they'll coach you through it. Well, Kevin, when I say I was green when it came to real estate, like I had no clue. I didn't even know what a commission was. I remember everybody was like, that's commission-based. I was like, I don't care. And then one day I was like, when do I get a paycheck? And they're like, that's commission-based. Like I had no clue what I was doing. So I had called and um, I'd, had heard that this gentleman was going to be selling his hotels. So I called my franchise at the time, said, I need somebody who specializes in hotels. They looked at it and said, um, it was, I want to say it's like 79 rooms. But anyway, it's going to be $5.5 million. And they were like, well, you don't know how to really handle that. Like, this isn't a small transaction. What you need to do is you need to just hand that over and we'll give you a referral fee. My personality, I'm like, oh, beep and no, we're not doing that. And so I decided then I went to a ho the hotel of the guy selling it. His name's Nick. He's still one of my best friends today. And I said, look, I need to learn about the hotel industry. And only how I'm going to be able to do that is if I'm in it. I own a real estate brokerage, so I don't have time during the weekdays. But can I do your night audit Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights coming in at midnight? and getting off at eight o'clock in the morning. That way I can continue to show real estate on Saturdays and Sunday mornings. So he was like, sure, are you crazy? He was like, people don't want to come and do night audit. Like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, no, it'll be perfect. So I learned how to read their numbers. I learned how their systems work. And then what was great is I went on to sell several hotels um, the cheapest one being for $5 million, all at 10% commissions in my career. So that would have been two. That was the second thing I did. Um, the third was at that time, the company I was with was switching over to auctions. And and I think it's okay to, to realize like, we're always going to be fighting battles, but I don't like to fight somebody in a battle on their playing field. I want to fight it on mine. And so they were sitting there saying, well, we want you guys to integrate auctions, but I wasn't an auctioneer. But all the other franchises around my county were auctioneers. And so I, they were telling me I had to use them. So I'd be like, okay, so I'm going to go get a farm listing and you're going to want me to put their sign in the yard, but it's my listing. We're going to split it, but I'm marketing and advertising their name. I was like, I'm not doing that. 
when I say like I disrupted my franchise, like I'm pretty sure the owners hated me. So I found out who's the biggest competitor in the auction industry. At that time, it was MarkNet Alliances. So I went and found their top auctioneer. I asked if we could partner together. I went to Mason City, Iowa, got my auctioneering license and became a licensed auctioneer so I could integrate that into all my companies without using my competitors that I didn't really get along with. Um, So that was the third thing that I did differently. And I'm trying to think, like, there was some other things. I know I said four. There's there's a few other things I did. But those are, the I think, the things that looking back on was the ones that really shifted how um, I grew. And I would think also probably another one, actually, Kevin, is and I think it's important anytime you're going and opening your own brokerage or doing your own team is lead with profit. I think so many times we want to take, chase rank and we want these big fancy offices and we want like nice big copy machines. And to this day, I still buy like copy machines from Best Buy that is four or $500, let them run for like a couple of years and throw them away because I don't want to take over that a lease on one. And so from the beginning, I tell people I grew up poor. And um, when I started real estate, I lived in a single wide trailer where you put the plastic over the window and it would like blow through and blow dry my hair. So I didn't forget where I came from. And so whenever I started my real estate companies, I didn't, I didn't have that much money. And so what I did know was I was not going to get myself into these leases that I could not get myself out of. And I think that prepared me for 07, 08 and why everybody else was needing to close their doors. We were okay because we had planned it financially well um, at the beginning. So those, so those are the big reasons. Number one, you had a big reason like you, like your kids. I loved, I love that you shared that story again. Thank you. Um, big turning point was the hotels, just taking that on. And then the auctions. Um, what I, what I heard is like hotels and auctions happened to be the things that you did that caused a big, uh, probably boost in your business. But <laughs> really what I heard was a, it's like the mindset that you took into it. Like the hotel, you're like, let me work for you overnight. Yeah. I can learn this. And, uh, and then you used it to your advantage to be able to then bring that into your business, right? Same thing with auctions. You were like, I don't really like the way this sounds. There's gotta be a better way. So you went out, learned it, did it, found someone to partner with. And I think the leading with profit thing is, is brilliant. Um, and something that so many of us in this industry really don't do. Like we, we get caught up in the, the numbers and the award, unfortunately, and it's brought on by us ourselves as an industry is like we, we, what we award is units and GCI and volume instead of net worth statements and bank accounts and, and, and profitability. And I think that's such a, it's such a miss, I think that we have in this industry, but I think in a way it's almost set up for us to stay on the, that proverbial, you know, that it's that wheel, it's that hamster wheel that, that keeps us on there. In a lot of ways, I think it's by design, but nonetheless, the other thing I want to talk about is, okay, so you grow your company, you own multiple brokerages in Virginia, like you're crushing it. And then you decide 10 years ago, you're moving to Montana and you, and yes. you, you think you're going to retire at this point. Is that the, um, I thought I wanted to semi-retire by saying that, um, it wasn't really truly retiring. So I had failures along the way. And one of them is 
I did not understand the value of systems <laughs> and all of that during that time. So when I moved to Montana, I moved to Montana because my best friend lived here. And I was always flying out here. And at that time, I thought I wanted to homeschool my kids and really just slow down. A couple of things happen. Like I'm 100D on the disc. So after three weeks, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to beat y'all and end up on CNN News. Y'all are going back to public school. I'm going to go and do a job. But I kept my brokerages and they were running very well, like a well-oiled machine. But what happened is I had Mary Arabelle and Bill Fenton. Mary was older. Her husband retired. They wanted to move closer to their grandkids. So I lost Mary. And then Arabelle fell in love with a guy. Um, she ran more of the auction side of it. And she was no longer um, part of our team. And then Bill Fenton, who ran all of them, um, he was with me about 10 years. He did phenomenal job at all the roles, but I get a call from his wife one morning. She says, Hey, just want to let you know, Bill's not feeling good. We're going to take him to the hospital. Three weeks later, I got a call that he had passed away. He had leukemia. So also during that time, we had just moved to a new location and did a complete like 200 plus thousand dollar remodel on an office. And here I did not have a director of ops to run it. So I had to make the decision. Do I want to go back to Virginia and really step back into that role and rebuild? Or do I want to stay in Montana and rebuild and start over? So I chose to start over here in Montana. Um, I still have some agents back there, but we're not like how we was. Um, but that was a hard lesson. Like that was a failure on my part because somebody once said, well, why didn't you just hire somebody to step into the role or step in and replace them? And that would be great, right? Like if something happens today at Shawnee team, I can do that. But I was so young, I did not understand how important it was to document your systems, how you did things. And we did try to bring some people in. They didn't know how we operated and what made us successful. And so I decided to let go of, I call those offices my babies. So we, I decided to let go of those. So was the mistake or, or the lesson there, like you had great people there, but not great systems. And mm -hmm. that's what didn't allow it to keep going. And unfortunately, after you lost the great people. Yes. Yeah. Um, it just, you know, we all think like everybody's mind readers and they know what we want, but they don't, they don't know how, even from something simple to celebrating my agent's birthday, right? Like when we jumped on a call, I said, I was doing the birthdays. Patty's birthday is this weekend. My team knows we have a system. I know what their favorite color is. I make sure their card is that color. I know what their favorite flower is, their restaurant. Um, obviously cake they get that day is based on my preference, but we, we have a system and it's the same, no matter whose birthday it is in our company, but there in Virginia, we had never documented that. So nobody did not know how we treated our clients, how we did our client events, how we followed up on leads. And it was just was too hard for me to be in Montana during that and the companies back in Virginia. 
I remember. So when we were on the phone last week, was that last week? I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you said something like, yeah, I, I, I was starting over in a new place, but I wasn't really, it's not like I was brand new. Like I already, already had all these mistakes that I learned from, mm-hmm. which is funny because you had a ton of success and you're going like, yeah, here's all the ways I screwed up. You kicked everyone's butt around you. Um, but you, you took it from like, well, here's, I made some big mistakes and now I know just not to do that. So I think in going from like not existing as a real estate team, let's just say five years ago, we'll round up to now the last two years being the number one team in the state and units and volume. What, like, what do you think, what are the key things that allowed you to do that? Cause that's a short period of time. Like that's not, that's not a long time. Even though it do, you didn't, you weren't technically a beginner. You were a beginner in Montana, so you're, I was. you're, you're going yeah. uphill. Like, what are the what are the two or three or four things, whatever you think that number is, of things that you're like, well, I did this, this, and this, and that's how we were able to get get where we have gotten so far. Yeah. So, um, well, I just want to say this: like when I say I knew no one, I knew no one. Like. So one of the rules at Shauna Key team is on day one, you have to have 200 names to enter into your database. Well, when I started Shauna Key team, I established like what my expectations and standards were because I done learned the importance of that whenever I was growing my brokerage is like, what do I want my people to look like? What are going to be the things that we focus on? And I only knew 12 people who was not in real estate to put on that list. So I had to go out to businesses. I'd be like, hi, my name's Shauna. I'm going to have a real estate team here. You give me your business card. I'll add it to my list of when people move in from outside the area. And then I started building those relationships with people. And um, so that was kind of it. But also, you know, I just went back to the basics of real estate. And that was pretty simple for me is like prospecting, picking up the phone, actually making the phone calls, doing open houses, doing good follow-up. So it wasn't anything special. There was no secret sauce. There was no programs that I bought. There was no shiny object that I found to make me successful other than a my cell phone and willing to put in the hours. Like I have pictures of me and my director of ops, who's still with me th- to this day, it would be like midnight and we're sending out little handwritten or hand addressed letters to neighboring property owners when we sold a property. But I also think one of the things, because um, I actually got asked this question a couple weeks ago at an event and said, you know, what, what makes your team successful? And Kevin, One is my agents. Like first, like it's not me. Like my people make me look like the star. They're the ones who really has made Shauna Key team successful. Um, And I think it's our standards of what we expect when our agents come in. And I know we're going to have a lot of people disagree with me about the onboarding when it comes to your agents. Um, But they're like, well, you got to teach them to write a contract and teach them about the CRM. And I'm like, BS. Like, no, like if I don't get a paycheck in their hand, their significant others going to tell them go get a real job. And everything I take my time and teach them on right now in that contract, I promise you, they're going to be coming at 1030 asking me again how to do it. And yes, I have trained y'all. I have all that stuff. 
But getting my agents in production and understanding if you're really going to have success in real estate, you need to be prospecting based. So we have our standards. There's about six of them that are hard non-negotiables. And um, I think that's really where success is, is just keeping real estate simple. Sounds like you're putting pressure on the things that actually move the needle and not mm-hmm. worry about the other stuff. I love that. I was interviewing um, Chris Stewart at Built How earlier this year in Palm Springs. And mm-hmm. one of the things he said to me is onboarding is from Handshake, which is like, um, I'm going to join your your company, your team, your brokerage, whatever, to first paycheck. Not, yes. not hey, you, here's the CRM. There you go. Right. Now you're yeah. on. And so- it's that mindset of like, no, the number one thing is getting you paid first and uh, and actually getting you into a deal. And so it's not about filling out the contract. It's not about, are you using the CRM correctly? It's about like, no, you got to start talking to people and let's, yeah. let's get your sphere together and, and do that. So it sounds to me like you're, you're putting the pressure on the things that quite frankly matter the most. Well, and also why don't I want to take my admins time to teach these people how to do CRM and write contracts? If they're not even going to pick up the phone, right? Like, let's go ahead and weed them out. And again, like I have so many brokers that disagree with me on that. And I can only speak for what works for me and my team. But like in your first week, you will preview a hundred homes. You have to know the inventory. You will make a thousand dollars. And at eight o'clock, if it's 999, well, congratulations. You could come back tomorrow and do it again because you're going to hit that thousand. And so we get them in production so quickly that very rarely do we have an agent on our team at the third week mark, not either have a listing or a property under contract. So if I go back to what I think I've heard so far, I've heard 200 names. If I'm a new agent and I want to join your team, I'm bringing mm-hmm. in a spreadsheet of 200 names for my, for my database. Mm-hmm. I'm viewing a hundred houses that like a hundred listings in the, that's in the inventory. And I'm making at least a thousand dials. Is there is there anything else I'm doing in this initial? And how long is this? Like, yes. Two- so I throw my people in. Um, once your license come active, you also then are getting on Mojo, and you're doing circle prospecting. So you have to make 150 dials a day, 750 a week. So if something comes up and you had a showing, you don't get to say, "Well, I didn't get to make my calls because I had something come up." Well, congratulations, that's real estate. You can make those calls on Saturday or Sunday. But when I look at the report on Monday, I better see a minimum of 750. And if not, we're going to have a come to Jesus meeting. They're called Shauna's come to Jesus meetings on Mondays. Um, and I'm it's shitless of that. And I'm not even on your team. Like I did, <laughs> I'm not wanting to go into a Monday knowing that I did not hit those numbers. If I'm a new well, one. you know, it, it's not like I'm like, why? But it's, it's asking them a question. So like, if you were on my team, Kevin, I'd be like, Kevin, I just want to make sure like your goals are still the same. And I want to just make sure you still want this because your actions are telling me you don't want this. And if you don't, that's fine. Like it's not my place to set your goals, but it is my job to hold you accountable. They always hear me in the office say, pressure makes diamonds. You're the diamond on the pressure. And so, um, so we just have those conversations, right? Cause it's not my job to set their goals, but it is my job as their leader to hold them to it. And that means we have that accountability and that fierce conversation. And are they are they aware of these um, expectations prior to, to joining the team? Oh, absolutely. I make them sign it. 
And when they come in, like they initial, like I fully understand. I, I mean, there's like one sheet and I have that. So their first meeting, they know, and I'll slide that and I'll say, so you, these were the vows that you made to Shauna Key team. These are the promises and standards you made to me, but you also made to your family. I just want to make sure we're still on the same page because I have your signature here. And the rule is I'll put money behind you, but I need your time. I put my money, but you didn't give me your time. So we're going to have a conversation. And if you don't want to be part of Shauna Key team, that's fine. I completely understand. But if you do, then what are we going to do differently? And what's so interesting is they're like, no, but they thank you. Right. So I think so many times as leaders, we're held hostage and we're afraid they're going to be like, F you, or they're going to leave. If they do great, that means I saved myself heartache down the road, but I've not. And I even was like this when I had my brokerages, I, I don't have people doing that. Usually they're like, you're right. Thank you so much for that. Um, or a lot of times we'll find out there's something personal going on. So then I have an opportunity to coach them. Like life's always going to happen, but you can't slow down when life happens. Right? Like I lost my mom. Um, and I share it with my agents a lot. I lost my mom. I got a call. Um, she wasn't doing well. August 28th. Um, I'll never forget that day. I was told my mom was terminally ill. She had about two months to live. And I walked into my office, Kevin, and I said, hey, guys, I'm going to go be a daughter. Um, I'm going to go home and just be there for my mom. And if I have a company to come back to, great. If I don't, that's okay. I can rebuild. But this is more important. So I left. I literally put PJs on that day. Um, had my mom come to my house and uh, was on hospice. And I literally, and she passed on October 6th. I laid in bed with her and we um, just, I was present and I was a daughter. And then I went back to Virginia, took her back home to Virginia to be buried, handled her estate, came home. Ended up with COVID, ended up in the COVID ward. So from August to February, I only stepped foot in my office one other time. And I got back. And so I tell people this story because I'm like, life's always going to happen, right? Like I had my mom. I also have brothers who don't make the best decisions. They just lost their mom. I was dealing with that. But it, I, I couldn't stop focusing on my company either. And so what happened there is I came back and you're talking about chaos, Kevin, like it was like, oh my gosh, like admin wanting to boss agents, agents wanting to boss admin. I was like, okay, tried to clean it up. It did not work. Um, that March I said, okay, I fired my entire team from my agents to my admin because I could not get it cleaned up, kept the three original ones of us. And that year we became the number one team in Montana. So life is going to happen and it's going to get in the way, but we got to stay focused on the, the big picture of things and where we're going and what our goals are. So when we have this Shauna come to Jesus meetings, we, it's a good opportunity to remind them that life's going to happen, but we got to stay what we're committed to. So we don't use the word goals here at Shauna Key team. We call them commitments. So what are you committed to? I love that. It sounds to me like you're really clear on what you're committed to and you're really clear on what everybody else is committed to as well if they're going to be part of your world. Mm -hmm. 
yeah, we're not for everyone and that's okay. Uh, a mutual friend of ours told me one time, he's like, if you're for everyone, you're for no one, mm-hmm. so, uh, which, yeah. which, which I totally believe. I love that. You've got to have a, a line in the sand somewhere around the things that matter the most to you. So, yeah, you do. And, and I think as leaders, so many times we care, right? Like it's so many of us, we want it more than other people want it. Um, but it's also understanding, like, are you going to sacrifice your entire team and your team members, families, livelihood to keep one person? And I'm not willing to do that. I also have framed this actually over here. It says, if you want to make everyone happy, don't be a leader, sell ice cream. And I have that framed in my office and I remind myself of that all the time. Like not everybody's going to like me and that's okay. It should say sell ice cream cakes, but that's (laughs) That's right. Yeah, no, I have one in there waiting for me. So (laughs) I'm excited. I won't, I won't keep you much longer because I know you're waiting for you on birthday, uh, birthday day there at the team. But I'm, I love that. My last question for you is, um, you obviously you've seen what, what works well for you. Right. And, um, for the, maybe the people that haven't had the, the success that you've had, or maybe even some of the people that you've interacted with, like, what do you think the one or two things are that people aren't doing? That's like really holding them back. Like when you look and you think about your peers, whether they're there locally, or I know you obviously travel to a lot of events. And so you get to talk to a lot of people from different marketplaces and and see who's, you know, who's winning, who who's not hitting what they, what they want to do. Like, is there any themes that pop up to you? Yeah, I would think if I told somebody, if somebody asked me that question, I would say, run your own race. Don't be running somebody else's. Um, you know, you said I've been successful to me. I don't think I've had success, but to others I have. And success should look different for everyone. My definitions for success should look totally different for yours, Kevin. And I think so many times when we go and we see people getting awards and we see them on stage, we think we need to be running their race, but they're at different points in their lives, right? Like I'm at a point now I can travel because my children are adult kids, so I can actually travel. But until my daughter was in high school, I actually made a commitment to her that I would only do one event a year. So now every time there's an event, I'm like, oh, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, because I didn't get to do that. Um when I was younger um, and at the beginning of my career. So just run your race. Remember, real estate is simple. Don't complicate it. What got you here will get you there. So go back to the basics and do not chase shiny objects. (laughs) So that would be my advice. So that's a solid one. I think there's so many shiny objects in our industry. There's more people selling picks and shovels than there are actually, you know, mining for gold. Yeah, it's yeah. Ask them like before. Be like, so what success have you really had with this? Like, watch who you get your information from. Absolutely. I think that's so important. And so many times I hear somebody I'll be like, "Well, this, this, and this." And I'm like, "Where did that come from?" And let's really look at their business. Obviously, um, don't call them a liar to their face. Just, but definitely keep an eye out on who you're getting information from. Cause I think that really makes a difference. Yeah. What, and I would say that goes for whether they're on stage and you're hearing it, like you should be questioning, like, what, what are they not sharing? Or even in a one-on-one setting, if you're just talking, like, 
well, like, what's the rest of the story? You know, a real common one is like, you know, I've got the most amazing fill in the blank person. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. great. How long have they, how long have they worked for you? And it's like two weeks, but they're going to be amazing. I'm like, okay, you don't actually, <laughs> you know, everyone's amazing at the first week, the first month, maybe even the first two months. Um, but like, yeah. let's, let's get past that before we start telling people that we're a genius and we, and we know how to hire or this lead source is amazing or, or whatever. Um, I'm convinced it takes five years to truly know someone. Um, and one thing that I will say is my kryptonite of real estate is hiring people. Like that is the hardest thing. So just so you know, um, I've been fired from my team on hiring and firing people. Because they know if you come in and you try to back me in the corner, I'm like, I have the F you button. I'm like, F you, you're gone. But if you come crying, I'll give you a raise. I'll go buy you a car. I'll do like everything. And so um, my team has fired me from that. Um, But also as a leader, gosh, like I love when they're like, oh, I can tell they're going to be great. In my mind, I'm saying everything like, do you have a crystal ball? Because like, 20 years, I still can't tell if somebody's going to be great. Even in the first six months to a year, I can't even tell if they're going to be great. So Nobody knows until they actually know for a fact how it's been done. Oh, I know. I I love when brokers and team leaders are like, oh, I have this great interviewing process. I'll just be honest with you. I'm the real estate school. If you come, I'll get you licensed. And then that's when the interview begins. Let's see if you really are going to do what you're supposed to do. Because the ones I think aren't going to do good, they knock it out of the park. And the ones I think is going to be great, they're duds. So, yeah. I've been surprised the same way so many times. I, I quit I quit telling myself that I could predict. And I just, <laughs> I mean, for me in my business, because uh, I was, in, you know, for the longest time on their sales team, I was the one in charge of uh, like hiring and recruiting agents and, and, and administrative staff. Like eventually I just decided to make the front door wider and just made it easier to also push people out the back door. Because I realized like I couldn't, no matter how detailed my process was, I couldn't ever really actually perfectly predict whether or not someone's going to be successful. I'd have people surprise me on like, you know, both good and bad surprises. Like, wow, I didn't think they were going to be this good. And the other people are like, man, like, I guess they, they were all talk and they never really showed up. So I just let people prove to me who they are, but with their actions. Yeah, no, I'm the exact same way. Cause I promise like, when you first meet me, like I'm super shy, I'm backwards, especially when I was in my twenties, like it was, I was just so introverted and shy. Um, thankfully my first broker, she had to hire me because her daughter married my cousin. So she had no choice to bring me on as an agent. Um, but no, I, I agree. But the thing I would tell people, if you're going to make that door wider, make sure you or somebody in your company can kick them out the back door or you will bleed so much money um, on that. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I kept you longer than I promised you I would. No, uh, it's all good. I, uh, I just want to say thanks for sharing your story. It's awesome. More people should hear it. And uh, thanks for being a guest today. No, thank you so much for having me. And I appreciate it. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Is there any particular medium, whether website or social media site or anything like that, where people want to like learn about you or just follow along, like what's the best way for people to, to kind of catch up with you? Yeah. So I'm, I don't post a lot, but usually on Facebook, um, Shauna Rubel, um, a lot of people think it's my 
last name is Key because of our team is Shauna Key Team, but it's actually Shauna Rubel. They can find me on Facebook and um, yeah. Well, we'll link, hopefully what we'll do is uh, we'll just drop that in the show notes too. So people don't have to hunt you down and they can just click a button. So thanks for taking the time today. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Bye. All right, right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're looking for even more valuable content and resources to help you grow your business, then we invite you to join our community, Next Level Agents at eXp Realty. By joining us, you'll gain access to exclusive benefits like live trainings, events, masterminds, weekly Zooms, digital downloads, and so much more, all designed to help you grow your business. To learn more and become a part of our community, simply visit kevinandfred.com forward slash contact and get in touch with us today. Of course, if you're not quite ready to take the plunge and join our community, that's no problem at all. You can still access all of our great content for free right here on this podcast. And again, we thank you for listening. We look forward to continuing to bring you valuable insights and more advice in the future.